All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Halal Cartels. And uh, before we do anything else, let's hit. If you love the show, and uh, I know you do because we get a lot of people texting us, giving us feedback. Shout outs uh, to uh, Jess and Liz for the care packages. Really appreciate those. Um, Here's what you can do if you listen. You can share in your IG stories a screenshot of our podcast, Halal Cartels. Share a screenshot. Tell two of your friends about our show because we're growing organically based on you, the listener. That's right. Just bring two more people into our fold. This is a pyramid scheme. We're really looking for, forward to uh, entertaining your friends as well. But yeah, the growth has been amazing. And uh, it's all thanks to y'all because we have a very limited promo at the moment. But I'm going to step it up accordingly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we have had some listeners coming to Funhouse Comedy at Pete's Candy Store every Wednesday at 10 p.m. So big shout outs to, to uh, Sammy and Anthony. Yeah, man, we really appreciate you all coming out and uh, and supporting us. And it's so cool to hear you, uh, you know, drop what you've been hearing uh, in your earphone earbuds out in front of Pete's. It's been great to hang out with everyone there too. The show has just been on fire lately. Yeah, man, it's been it's been uh, standing room only. So if you're in the Brooklyn area and you want to see us live. We're at Pete's Candy Store every Wednesday for Funhouse Comedy. With also with our DJ and uh, Tech AV uh, Wizard and Maven Yoni. Oh yeah! So shout outs to Yoni. Shout outs well. to Yoni. Uh, all right. Well, that's it, man. We did it. We front loaded the episode with our calls to action and our um, and our uh, appreciation for everyone listening. Yeah, you know, and usually when you listen to a podcast uh, of our stature. You're going to have like five minutes of commercials in the beginning that you just hit the like 15 second scrub button on. Yeah. Uh, but just people with some nonsense like, uh, hey, join join this recruiting uh, app uh, to to get to to hire employees because you're a small business tyrant. Hey, uh, chew, chew, on, chew on this uh, direct to mail uh, mail enhancement. That was the one sponsor that I reached out to that has not gotten back to us yet. I'm still, the jury is out on that one, but. Yeah, we'll see. Dude, I want to get sponsored by uh, Poppers. Rush. <laughs> Rush. You're like, <laughs> but it's actually for a different reason than you'd expect. They're a VCR tape head cleaner, and I'm quite a v- VHS collector. Yeah. Yo, this episode of Holo Cartel is brought to you by uh, K2. <laughs> Spice. Yo, the we Spice are Boys are here. I don't know if you've seen Dune, but your boys over here love that melange. Yeah, we are we are sponsored by Crocodile in Russia <laughs> <laughs> through our listening platforms in Russia. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there go the ads. I <laughs> yeah, I said people weren't gonna have to listen to them, but I hope those were very entertaining. And yeah, man. use code Gabe and Samir <laughs> for twenty percent off poppers. <laughs> At your local sex shop. I feel like you can only buy poppers from a sex shop or a bodega. You can't buy them online, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Pow! (laughs) Anybody want some kratom? (laughs) Kratom? (laughs) Have you ever tried kratom? I love it. It's the best. Really? Yeah. It's great. Yeah, I mix it with my coffee or hot cocoa. Or sometimes Yoohoo. What does it do, though? Well, I think it depends on how much you take and what strain you take. 
But uh, for me, uh, it's given me some focus at times, and uh, it's it's also a uh, pain reducer. So it's a weird it's a weird herb that uh, can can hit you either as a almost like an opioid or it can hit you as like um like Adderall. Wow. But wicked hangovers. So I would say, you know, that's one that's one thing to think about is like getting a terrible headache the next day. Oh, so yeah. boo. But there are a couple kratom uh, like bars in in New York City. Wow. So yeah, you just go there and get kratomed up. Yeah, there's one on Bedford Ave. Turn your world into doom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, With I'm a not a mind-boggling headache. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm not a, I'm not a huge advocate, but uh, you know, whatever. Go out there. You, you live once. Try everything. Right. Yeah. I, I fully agree with that in a line. <laughs> Except Coco Drill, because we've all seen enough photos of what that does. <laughs> True. Well, if you kind of want to lose a limb. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. when you need to just yank your own tooth out, but this time it's just an arm or a leg. Mm-hmm. I just can't even believe that Coca Drill is a real thing. It just sounds like a dare program propaganda. That's like uh, we okay. You should not like drugs and not like Putin. You know? <laughs> yes, because it's Russian, right? It's like a Russian synthetic uh, opioid. Yeah, it's well, it's just made of like household cleaning supplies and other like half baked. It's disgusting, yeah, but it is like a weird, uh, like methy drug that people shoot up and. Okay, great. I think it's methy. I, I don't think it's like opioid. So. Oh, whatever it is, it just sounds so gross. It just. Uh, <laughs> it really is. Like a cosmonaut, uh, child's science experiment. Yeah, you're only allowed to shoot it with a rusty <laughs> syringe. Yeah, <laughs> have visible uh, rust. <laughs> nasty. Horrible, dude. I wanted to. I've been. Um, like looking into the history of uh, of American colonial uh, post colonial expansion lately, and sort of our interference in other people's countries. And one reason that I've been doing that is uh, I go on Facebook, you know, once once a month. And this guy who I used to live in the same house with, he posted this uh, image of his of his dad uh, as a young man. And it was a happy birthday post to like his dad, who he called Sir. Uh, and, and he's like, you know, my dad, a vet of the Bay of Pigs, flew in Air America, worked in Laos, you know, a great man. And I was just like, this guy sounds like he was a war criminal. <laughs> yeah, he was. You know, he was a CIA operative, right? Uh, a white guy, you know, who's because it's like, oh, the Bay of Pigs. And the thing about the CIA is uh, I think a lot of people get into it thinking that they're going to be Jason Bourne and they're going to go and and uh, pull off some sort of adventure uh, action movie you know thing. But really, the CIA, I've realized through my research, is their primary goal is to stop countries from providing literacy programs to their poor people. Like the minute that a country's like, hey, we want to have universal literacy programs, the CIA is like, we need to stop that. We need to go in there and start torturing people. (laughs) I can absolutely see why, though, because it's so easy to control people who are ignorant. Yeah. Well, like I'm bringing. So here's a real example. I went down a deep dive and I was looking at Nicaragua's history, uh, most recently from like the 70s through the 90s. And one reason is that Nicaragua is in the news right now because they are uh, they're, they're having elections. And like, again, 
the uh, interventionists in the U.S., the people who are into regime change, are like poo-pooing these elections. And first off, if you are into regime change, like you want the U.S. military to intervene anywhere else in the world, um, you are contributing to climate change, and you want all of our children to live in an uninhabitable world. Because the number one carbon footprint uh, polluter in the world is the United States military. No libs should be into uh, sending our troops abroad anywhere. In the first place, yeah. In the first place. Because you're killing our future by doing that. Right. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, oh. But I wanted to bring up... All right. So, so uh, do you know anything about the Iran-Contra uh, affair? I don't. I, I've... All I know is that because of the Iran-Contra affair, there was, like, skyrocketing gas prices back in, like, the 70s or something. <laughs> Am I right? No, I don't know anything about that specifically, right. but I do know that there were skyrocketing gas prices in the 70s related to OPEC. Yeah, like controlling the supply. and Yeah, so that really, um, you know, cut Jimmy Carter's legs out from under him, you know, because every American freaked out that they couldn't fill their, their big uh, land cruisers. Yeah, with, for like uh, 58 cents a gallon. Yeah, they're Chrysler LeBarons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so Nicaragua. Let's Okay, Nicaragua from like the 50s, through uh, 1979, roughly, was uh, controlled by three dictators who were a father, a son, and a grandson. I thought you were going to say Holy Spirit. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the last one was a total uh, ghoul and a ghost. But yeah, so trickle down, inheriting the country from from your your parents. And so they were all military dictators, authoritarians, named the Samosas. What a delicious name, right? Actually, no, Nicaraguan with that last name. Sure. His name's Harrison Samosa. <laughs> I'm dead serious. <laughs> well, it's a small country. Nicaragua only had a population of like 2 million people at the time. Yeah. The third Samosa, the one that was in power through the 60s and 70s, was a, a literal vampire. He would um, go to the peasants and ask them to donate plasma, because and then he would sell their plasma on the uh, on the global market for like a huge markup. So he was he was like basically just extracting the blood of his people to fill his own coffers. Oh my god! So oh, by the way, these were like U.S. backed. So we love these guys. America was horny for the Samosas. hundred uh, percent. And uh, then the Sandinistas, they took power, and they were, you know, leftist, leftist uh, guerrillas, and they ended up taking control of the whole country. And one of the first things that they did once they took over was uh, try to up the literacy, literacy rates everywhere, because uh, fifty to seventy percent of the country was illiterate, and they were like, "Oh, all right, how do we? The easiest thing to do is to topple." A dictator what's really hard is what you do the next day right because if the people aren't educated they can't um literacy is the first step towards like self-actualizing you know figuring out what you want thinking critically all that so they sent all of these educated urban uh guerrillas and activists and middle class people into the countryside to help educate the poor and Guess who hated that? The CIA. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. the minute people can read, uh, they're like, wait a minute, why am I poor? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> what, what is the reason for our poverty? And they can start you know, coming up with plans on their own. 
and writing down their ideas and transmitting those virally. So uh, the CIA, they um, start backing the Contras. So the Sandinistas are like in charge of the government and the Contras are the resistance to that. And it, the, they're made up primarily of Samosa's old National Guard. So these are all like out of work military dudes who are now on the fringes in the north and the south of the country. But they're not fighting against Sandinistas. So they're not fighting against government officials. What they're doing, the Contra's entire um, strategy was to terrorize the peasants and make life for them so terrible that to undermine the uh, Sandinistas' control. So they were terrorists. Like when we think of Al-Qaeda or the Taliban or like any other group being terrorists, the Contras were going in, scooping out the eyeballs of teachers who were in the countryside, sexually assaulting people. Like just, they loved raping people. They loved torturing and mutilating bodies. And they were being funded and trained by the CIA. So if you work for the CIA, the legacy of what you do is basically uh, training terrorists on how to rape and mutilate people who are trying to teach peasants how to read. Yeah, you know, like, and the, the <laughs> that is so insane. I had no idea. And on on a side note, the old, the youngest samosa, the vampire samosa, he uh, was taken in by another Latin American dictator to like, uh, you know, for like amnesty to like. I, I can't remember if it was Paraguay. We're gonna say it was like Uruguay. Right. So he's hanging out in one of these guays. Sandinistas, along with other leftist groups, found out where he was and bazookaed his Mercedes while he was in it. Because they, were, <laughs> they weren't going to let him live out his uh, life uh, post being a dictator in peace. That's ill. Which is the right thing to do. I would contribute <laughs> to a GoFundMe <laughs> that did that. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I would literally, I, I mean, unpopular opinion here, but like, I want to contribute to <laughs> GoFundMe's that are all about vigilantism. <laughs> And they're just like, for $100, we'll fucking write your name on the missile that we fire from like an RPG or whatever Yeah, at this dude's car. So uh, so some <clears throat> youngest Samosa got blown up for crimes against humanity that he committed against his own people. In the fight that the Sandinistas had against Samosa, um, 50,000 Nicaraguans uh, died and 100,000 Nicaraguans were um, wounded in some way or another. So in a country of 2 million people, that's significant. That's a huge number of people that, um, and mostly on the side of the Sandinistas and mostly on the side of people struggling against the military. Those were the ones that took the brunt of, um, uh, made the sacrifice for, to like liberate their country from uh, an authoritarian who is backed by the US. But the reason that I brought all of this up with the Contras is one group of the U.S. hated the Contras, though. So, like, there were a lot of people in uh, the United States of America that were not backing these death squads. Congress actually said that they weren't going to give any more money to fund the uh, CIA's operations and the Contras. And this is where the Iran-Contra affair begins, because Ronald Reagan, with a bunch of private investors and uh, the head of the CIA... We're like, okay, we can't get any more funding legitimately. So where can we get money to help uh, the Contras keep raping and torturing people? Uh, why don't we sell Israeli weapons to Iran? 
and the money we make from selling them weapons, we can then use to keep the Contras in business. Oliver North was the guy in charge of all that. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> He's now the head of the NRA. Right. So Oliver North, an American military man, an officer, was selling Israeli weapons to Iran. And because Iran was fighting with Iraq at the time. Right. And we, the United States, was officially backing Iraq right. to uh, undermine Iran, but we were also unofficially selling weapons to Iran. Via Israel as a proxy. Yeah. So And enriching both Iran and Israel. Yeah. Who hate each other. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> See, when you do this, like you realize Nothing really matters but the <laughs> almighty dollar. You know what I mean? Like, like Saudi Arabia and Israel are best pals behind the scenes. Yeah. And they get They're horny for each other. They, they, they love they each both other. They whack off on the same blue, uh, purple orb. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and they trade money nonstop. Yes. Like um, Saudi Arabia benefits from Israel's super cyber... Uh, like skills at hacking people's shit and stuff. So they buy this software from Israel to hack their people's <laughs> phones. That's where they got the like Bezos hack. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, like we went to war with uh, Iraq, you know, and we, we call Saddam like a monster or whatever, but we were giving Saddam the weapons to fight against Iran. And then we were giving Iran weapons to fight against him to like drink and, we also didn't like Ayatollah Khomeini either, yeah. but we were thinking Saddam is a much better option than having a theocratic uh, authoritarian in the region. So we're like, you know, we were dividing and conquering both these groups, and ideology did not matter at all. Yeah. It was just about keeping both teams weak and thinking about the human cost of that. Like, I can't, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head for the people that died in, in the Iran-Iraq war, but it was pretty big. Yeah, it was Pretty massive. Mage. Yeah, it was massive. I mean, when I was a kid, th this was like the fallout from that war. Yeah. You know, and it was like massive numbers of people suffering. And just like in every case, like it didn't end right when the conflict ended. There was like lingering pro serious problems that happened after it. Yeah. Yeah, because they both used like chemical weapons on each other as well. There was like devastating uh, trench warfare. You know, and then the psychological scars of people on both sides. Well, then so. the government took it a step further and were like, okay, so we can do all types of fucked up to privately fucked up things to privately fundraise things that are not being fund or not being given funds yeah. by the government. So let's now sell weapons and drugs in impoverished places. Boom. Okay. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Okay. So. We've gotten through the Iran-Iraq connection to Nicaragua at this point, right? And the Contras are now getting money from the CIA without the knowledge of the American people, without Congress. Super illegal. Ronald Reagan is doing crazy illegal war crime stuff. But here's the final twist. Some of the Contras were trafficking cocaine from Colombia to the United States and specifically to uh, San Francisco. So they were using CIA pilots 
to do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you watch the TV show uh, Snowfall, yep. Snowfall um, talks about that link, and it takes some liberties, and it shows like this connection between Los Angeles and the CIA. But um, the uh, I think it's that, and and then there's Gary Webb. He is a journalist who ended up killing himself because he was gaslit and he was um, sort of iced out of his profession after he blew the whistle and like wrote books on uh, the CIA's involvement with um, introducing cocaine to uh, South Central LA. Yes. So yes. Uh, Did, isn't there a famous clip of him at a city meeting? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, hey guys, I just want to let you know this is what happened. I have evidence of this. And like the cops in the meeting are like, what the fuck? Totally. What is this guy doing? Yeah, man. So these Nicaraguan um, Contras who are ba- who are <clears throat> right wing death squad dudes are trafficking cocaine with the help of the CIA to San Francisco where it's being given to Bloods and Crips and uh, Freeway Ricky Ross, yeah. who Rick Ross, the rapper, is named after. Right. Uh, and then they're driving it down to uh, South Central. And this is the beginning of the crack epidemic tied into the war on drugs tied in to the uh, prison industrial complex so when we think about the sandinistas what they wanted to do was help peasants learn how to read uncle sam could not tolerate that decided to fund death squad rapists and murderers couldn't get enough taxpayer money to make that happen so then sold weapons to Iran, which then create helped exacerbate the Iran-Iraq war, also co-signed the Contras selling cocaine to inner-city black and brown people. The amount of misery that <laughs> yeah, the CIA from one organization, <laughs> all because a couple people in Nicaragua wanted to help their peasants learn how to read. Yeah. So this is how Uncle Sam operates. And all of the misery around the world is based on white CIA agents who decide to work against public education. And I wonder how they get (laughs) brainwashed into doing all this because they know this is happening. I mean, they're not stupid. It's not like they're doing this and they're being told something else is happening. They're seeing the impact that it's having on the world. Well, it's dude, someone says uh, riff reading is fundamental. And these fucking CIA agents are like communism. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, no one said that. We just said we want people to like learn how to fucking read the alphabet. But that's their fear is like if people know how to read, then the first thing that they're going to do is start reading communist <laughs> ideology and then be like, yo, we got to fucking overthrow this bitch. Yeah. No, man, don't worry about it. They're not going to read Marx. They're going to read Harry Potter. Well, <laughs> I actually really love how you explain that whole situation because it's all interconnected. And at the moment, right, like. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, outside of just oil, they're trying to foolishly, in my opinion, trying to make their country a haven for travelers, for like people who want to see an undiscovered part of the world. Yeah. So we might have talked about this before because like they've, I was contacted in some capacity about working on this endeavor. And I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) And uh, they're like, would you like to start the Saudi Arabian? uh, It's like Disneyland. We want to make a Disneyland. (laughs) I'm not kidding you there. Yeah. They want Uh, to find a way, but I was trying to figure out what the purpose of it all really was. Girls can't drive the bumper cars. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> They're like, I mean, you will be beheaded if you drive the bumper cars, <laughs> yeah. but come on down. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just trying to fucking, um, they're trying to have people come there and check it out. But the reality is, uh, they have such bad sentiment worldwide about their, you know, human rights violations, the way the country is operated, the people that operate the country and just like drink up all the money and, um, you know, MBS and all of them. So this whole endeavor is about getting people to be like, you know, Saudi Arabia is not that bad. The people are so nice and welcoming. And then the next step is to be like, look, I'm sure they have a reason for like cutting that person's head off in the middle of the street. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and so I think it's hilarious because all of this shit is all just a game. It's all like a lie behind the scenes, like the divisiveness and the politics of these countries at the end of the day, they're all in a profit sharing scheme and either you're with it or you aren't, but you're part of a different faction if you aren't, you know? And so it's like, um, the UAE loves Israel and those like shakes from the UAE are hanging out behind the scenes with people, you know, from the government in Israel and they're trading weapons, they're trading spyware and all this shit. And the same thing with, so the Gulf States, Saudis, all this stuff. So there is no, um, Muslims and Jews hate each other shit. And in reality, that didn't really exist either. Like some can argue that there was like some type of feud and shit, but realistically, um, this shit has all just been used as a divisive tactic to separate people. Yeah. So the ideologies are um, really for the really for the lowest people on the pyramid totem. Like, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. when you look at, you just got to think about where the money is coming from and where the money's going, and and then also just control, like. This issue specifically makes me think about uh, Cuba, right? So we, one of the one of the biggest issues with Cuba was the um, Cuban Missile Crisis, where there was almost a nuclear holocaust, right? Where the uh, Russians had their missiles uh, pointed at us from Cuba, and we were like, gonna gonna shoot back, and that would have been the end of everything. But everything escalated to that point because. Uh, Castro wanted to nationalize a couple sugarcane fields. Yeah. So American businessmen lost their minds. And the this, mob did too. Yeah. That this guy was like, that he was just like, hey, I want to, I want to um, make sure that there's like profit sharing among all the people on this very small island over this very insignificant crop. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, fuck you. They hated it. <laughs> and that's the thing. The yeah. A lot of people don't realize this, but that was either the leftovers of colonialism who owned those plantations. Yeah. Or it was outside of the country influences and corporations that didn't even live there or whatever. And they were just exploiting that tropical climate. Yeah. Where all this stuff was growing. And so that's what he was saying. He's like, yeah, if you're not from here, get the fuck out. Don't like siphon money out of this country <laughs> from stealing our natural resources. Yeah. And the other people who were doing it were like the mob. There was no oversight in that country under like the dictatorship. And so they were just fucking making money. And then the dictators like whatever, getting their piece. And then the mob was fucking pissed, man. That's why all this shit went down. That's why Kennedy was killed for real. The Bay of Pigs invasion was supposed to be that quote unquote liberation of like Cuba. Yeah. And it was such a miserable failure that they blamed Kennedy and they were like, now you're going to fucking take a bullet in the head for this because you don't fuck with the mob. Like we had a deal 
And that's because Joseph P. Kennedy, the dad, the patriarch of the family, was a mobster. Sure, bootlegger. Yeah. And he had like a... A drug trafficker, you might say. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. And um, Literally no different than Pablo Escobar. He was a notable anti-Semite, too. He hated mm-hmm. Jews. He was like if Hitler and Pablo Escobar were thrown into a, one of those... Um, from the fly, one of those uh, <laughs> yeah, teleporters they came out the other end. <laughs> Joseph Kennedy would have come out the other side. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, this all this shit is to say, like that is the best way I've heard the around Contra affair. Um, yeah. One thing I was gonna say about the Nicaragua thing about Samosa, the youngest Samosa being that weird vampire plasma man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? This is so crazy. So I don't know if you saw this, but there's an article recently floating around about. Um, Basically, when you're an organ donor, when mm-hmm. they when you're like, like if I die, like donate my body to science. Someone told me that even when you donate anything at the hospital, like even like a placenta after your kids are born, you're like, you know what? I'm good. Take it away. I'm not going to. You should keep it because I heard they're great fried up. I mean, people do all types of fucking weird yeah. things with them. People eat them, turn them into pills. People do all this stuff. There's nutrients in it, right? Yeah. But um. Some people will just be like, ew, no thanks. I don't want to take home a 20-pound, like, gross thing like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... That's a really heavy placenta. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know. <laughs> That's the best part. It's she, probably, like, two pounds. Yeah. <laughs> my wife, a 47-pound placenta. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, my wife is a 22-foot-tall giant. <laughs> so, but... So many nutrients. So this lady told us that if you leave it there, there's a likelihood it could be misappropriated. And I said, what does that mean? And she said, oh, the hospitals have been known to sell them to cosmetics companies and other places outside the hospital for a profit. And it's your bio, like, whatever, like, waste or whatever you want to call it. One man's yeah. trash and another man's treasure. Anyways, so this woman told us that, and I thought that was so fucked. I was like, no. Just what the fuck? That's gross. She was like, even if you don't want it, take it home, throw it in the garbage. I thought she was like mommy blogger vibes and she was full of shit. Yeah. I was like, no hospital would do that. Then I see an article a week and a half ago about how there was a hospital where people were donating their body to science and they didn't realize that that actually wasn't really going to what they thought it was. So You're not becoming a high school skeleton. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Basically, there's a woman who had Alzheimer's and her son donated her body to science. And then a few days later, he gets her ashes in an, whatever, a coffee can. And they're like, here's your mom's remains. And he was like, wait, what happened to her? And they're like, don't worry about it. It was science. And then years later, he finds out that the, hospital actually there was like a nefarious person there who was getting people to donate these bodies and then turning around and selling them for five thousand eight hundred dollars to the u.s military to blow them up and do ied tests on wow. them so they literally put his mom's body in like a truck and then did the, an ied test and blew his mom's body up instead of taking her brain and going like okay we've looked at this she had Alzheimer's already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it just went on to say the craziest of things. Apparently, the feds busted this guy's like weird people lab <laughs> and they opened a fridge and it was just full of severed dicks. And then there was a fridge where 
There was a body where he sewed a dude's head onto a woman's body. So, okay, on a very special episode of Flip This Body. <laughs> Flip This Body. Yeah, that's horrific. So there's a <laughs> so this this uh, hospital was just uh, basically doing uh, scaling up Jeffrey Dahmer's yeah. like apartment uh, vibes. Yeah, it's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and so you would be amazed. Of course, the guy got away with it and squeaked out with probation, literally. And I was I was reading it and was so confused as to how someone could have done such egregious and fucked things. Yeah. Even the guy whose mom was blown up in the IED test had been alarmed by the form that he had to sign to donate his mom's body. And I was like, do you mind if we blow your mom's body up in like a series of explosions? And he was like, absolutely, I mind. Do not do that. Please do not do that. And you check no on all the questions. like, And so it was done without his consent entirely. But that's all to say it was a crime. They were desecrating someone's body post-mortem. It's fucked. And the guy got off. Then I realized, oh, it's because the military probably was like, let him go. He yeah. hooked us up with at least 30 of those IED people. So give him a pass. Well, you know, uh, early doctors, the medical profession was filled with grave robbers. Grave robbing was the one of the only ways that you could get a body to uh to, you know, figure out how bodies work. <laughs> you know? Right? Like you can't you yeah. can't really figure out how a body works on a on a living human. Yeah. You're like so. what that leg do? <laughs> <laughs> That was uh, so that was fun. literally the mantra of doctors <laughs> in the 1800s. <laughs> like, why is that doctor so jacked? It looks like he shovels hundreds of pounds of soil per night. <laughs> yeah, doctors were ghouls. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, man. Well, you know, speaking of pregnancies and giving birth and placentas, congrats, dude. I know. We're a couple of weeks away now. So we're just uh, counting down the days. Hell yeah. For uh, Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. I love it, man. You're gonna have twins. Fucking uh my favorite twins are from G.I. Joe. Uh Zaymax and Tomax. Yeah. Zaymot and Tomax. Zaymot and Tomax. Yeah, remember them? They like ran a corporation. They were like the corporate wing of Cobra. And uh anytime you punched one of them, the other one would feel it. Yeah. What, did they have blonde hair and like shiny, like reflective sunglasses all the time? That is uh <laughs> that that sounds like one of the one of the good guys from, oh, from GI Joe. They had like a uh, black hair with um streak, a white streak each on opposite sides. Oh, okay, so that's how you could tell them apart. Right. Yeah, but um, but yeah, twins. Yeah, twins. Man. Uh, Olsons. The Olsons were also twins. Yeah. Yeah, you could be on a a gold mine. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that actually. Marketing, uh, marketing the twins. Yeah, I was like, you know what? We know casting directors, and the thing is that identical twins are exploitable by uh, default because babies are only supposed to be on set for X amount of time. They can't be on set for longer, or children. So if you have two kids that look, that's why Mary-Kate and Ashley played this Michelle or whatever. The same. They are like the only uh, child actors that seem to have um, made it out unscathed, and I don't even know if they're really they were unscathed. I mean, they did kill Heath Ledger, 
Yeah. So, <laughs> and like, what so maybe them, they're murdering psychopaths. One of them married like a 68 year old when she was like 18 <laughs> or something. So, <laughs> dude, uh, I'm 100% against child acting. I think it should be made illegal. Uh, I never want to see, I don't think that movies should have children in them at all. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, You're like uh, the minimum age is an 18 year old <laughs> pretending that they're a child. That's right, dude. Okay. We can do that now. Cause we can CGI yep. kids into movies. Uh, Gary Coleman and Webster were both adults who were little people who then, um, could play kids forever. So we should only hire little people to play kids or, um, have like animated children in the movies. Like, uh, who framed Roger rabbit style. <laughs> cartoon cartoon kid. kids or cgi kids that are like super unva- uncanny valley <laughs> dude one of our audience members Catherine pulley she was on barney she was one of the child actors on the show barney yeah dude well i'm so glad it turned out okay for her yeah because uh it doesn't turn out well for most child actors it's such an exploitable field uh for one for like just labor laws like we don't have kids working anymore in coal mines we don't have kids working anymore. Uh, the Johnny Rockets. So why is it okay for kids to be on set in movies? It should be illegal. It's you realize that's up, like a, Republicans would love it if they could make the less unfortunate uh, their children work in coal mines. Yeah. They'd be like, maybe you should learn something, some the value of hard work. And Do, If you are... <laughs> Republican if, scumbags. If you think kids should be in movies... You are a Republican, or even worse. <laughs> you're the you're the worst if you if you still think children should be working in movies because it never turns out well for them. Look at what happened to the Corys. Um, and the more money that they make, the more exploited they are. So, like, I uh, Steven Spielberg used to walk into diners and he would find uh, like cute kids at the at a restaurant and. With their parents, and you'd be like, hey, uh, I'd like your kid to come and audition for my movie. These are like middle class or lower middle class or even poor people, and now their kid is a, in a movie, and the kid becomes uh, starts making generating millions of dollars. Um, and the family has to quit their jobs to be the manager of this kid, the child actor. And the minute that... Na- but now their entire family's income is based on this kid being in like the next poltergeist or whatever. And it, the minute that that kid stops being a breadwinner, you know, like now, now that kid, ha- now you have all of your money's invested in this one racehorse. Yeah. And then they're greyhound. like, sorry, your kid's no longer cute. So your yeah. income is gone. Yeah. So everyone, that kid has to keep producing. Yeah. At this point. You're like, we're sure you're going to treat your kid uh, really nice now that they're not making money for you. Yeah, it, you, now, <laughs> you now become a pimp, and your child is like a prostitute who has to work, to, and you're a parasite off of your child's income. And the kids don't go to school anymore because they're, they're working, and uh, once they stop being cute, they, they go from being almost treated like royalty to like, where does their self-esteem and identity come from? They haven't lived a normal childhood. Right. So they, they end up becoming, you know, well, I don't know. I don't know what happens to them, but it's not good. If you like child actors, you know, you're gross. There's also a lot of molestation that happens in that world, like the Corys. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's like predatory psycho, like, 
Hollywood is supposedly just a big front for a child <laughs> predator sex ring. I love how the thing was like ping pong pizza or whatever <laughs> instead of like <laughs> instead of like QAnon people being like, wait a minute, isn't Hollywood just a big pedophile ring? They're like, yeah. I mean, well, the thing is, is like uh, if something happens to one of those kids, they can't really, um, if they report it, then uh, the, it's disincentivized for any reporting to happen because, oh man, we just got a million dollar paycheck. Uh, why, the parents, why would we report anything? It just makes me think about, you know, children being actors makes me think about this anecdote of like uh, Roman emperors would have feasts and they would paint little kids in like gold paint for the night and they'd be like these like little golden cupids running around and then they would die from like uh, like lead poisoning. Oh, God, that's so shitty. But, you know, I mean, hey, but if you want kids to entertain you, that's the price you pay. Right. And so that's what we're doing now to, like, um, children who uh, we make professional actors is they live a few years in the glory in front of, the, in front of us on the silver screen, and then their lives are ruined. Wow. That, I mean, this is a pretty hardcore take on it. And I also I like your <laughs> solutions of the... CGIing a kid in, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or using like Roger Rabbit style animated kid, or what if they made elaborate robots that were like actual kids? This is a perfect use for robots. Yeah, yeah, man. Boston Dynamics should stop making those uh, police dog robots. <laughs> yeah, they're going to start child actor robots. Yeah, what that is a much more benevolent and benign use of robot technology. And or just make ro there nobody should be an actor. Yeah. We can just make robots that look like George Clooney that exist forever. Like wax museum style. Yeah, and then you're just like, oh, it's that guy again. <laughs> you're like, I remember when I was you're like 85. You're like, I remember when I was four, he was really popular. Still is, <laughs> huh? <laughs> yeah. We just never we never have to leave 2021. We can just live in an infinite loop of uh, like Charlie Chaplin robots dancing in movies. We can bring back all the oldies. Yeah. Someone's going to listen to this and they're going to be like, yeah, this is not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, keep your kids out of entertainment. Let's see. Let's see how desperate things get. Oh, my God. Or, but, well, I think you'd be a good manager. You'd take care of your kids. I love movies with twins. Um, Jean-Claude Van Damme, when he played uh, Double, Double Impact. I haven't seen it. Two Jean-Claude Van Dams for the price of one. Amazing. Yes. They're just somehow a mirror image of each other because uh -huh. it's him playing both of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> like a mirror in every <laughs> shot. <laughs> You're like, why are they doing the exact same thing and saying the same thing at the same time? <laughs> He's amazing, though. He was a maniac. Remember Hard Target? Oh, so good. So good. Yeah. Uh, love movies where someone's being hunted. Yeah. By, uh, by a gang of professional psychopaths. Yeah. Another movie like that is uh, Ice-T in Surviving the Game. I'll check that out. Yeah. It's worth it? It's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's the best. He uh, loves to just be like, I'm a pimp still. Hell yeah. But I'll play a cop. Yeah, it's, it's super <laughs> confusing because he's in those like, pimp but... documentaries where <laughs> yeah. he, he has like his quote-unquote hose like, doing his hair and stuff, and he's like, you need to overpower women and smack them around. 
show them who's boss. And then you're like, wait a minute, aren't you on like a family TV show? <laughs> He's like, I like to keep my pimp aesthetic strong, but also I play a cop on TV. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that is the logical progression of uh, if you if you go from um, being a, a, a hip hop part of the hip hop royalty, then you move on to being in uh, TV shows. Uh, and then family movies. Hell yeah, like Ice Cube. Ice Cube, yes. He turned down a movie recently that was like a huge payday. They were like, we'll give you $20 million. He was like, no thanks. I wonder if the CIA does that. <laughs> if, if, they, if they're like, we need to take these uh, like these these antagonistic voices. Yeah, and soften them hard. Yeah, these political rabble rousers, and then tempt them and uh, sort of uh, hypnotize them into becoming cuddly. I seriously wouldn't be fucking surprised if that was the case. You never know. They're like, cop killer or <laughs> cop lover because you are a cop with a family that's going on a vacation. That's the movie that you're going to be in. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put you in kindergarten cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The sequel, which would never be made today if people listen to me and outlawed child actors. <laughs> <laughs> that movie was amazing, though. It'd just be Arnold. Arnold be like, look at all these little robots. Dude, that movie is great, though. You got to admit. It's okay. It's okay. I like Maniac Cop better when it comes to cop movies. Right. Or RoboCop. What was the uh, Nicolas Cage cop movie where he... It's the New Orleans one. The Bad some... Lieutenant. Yes. Port of New Orleans. Yeah, Port of New Orleans. That's right. Yeah. He's just doing coke and like being a psycho and like shooting at people and yeah yeah uh that is and it's a, a not a sequel but kind of like um there was the uh original version of that movie the bad lieutenant starring harvey keitel yes which is what i just assume most cops are like yeah uh, like degenerate gamblers oh yeah like swigging back like <laughs> liquor and pepto-bismol out of two wrinkly <laughs> paper bags alternating ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So uh, we did it. Hell yeah, man. We did this is it. a great, great episode. I feel pretty good about it. You know, we covered a lot of topics. Uh, child actors, Nicaragua, uh, Saudi Arabia, and its amusement parks. <laughs> <laughs> I love uh, it. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of Halal Cartels. And um, we'd love it if you just... Um, Find us on Twitter or find us on Instagram. My Instagram is GabePack1, G-A-B-E-P-A-C, and the number one. And I'm at Samirmon, S-A-M-E-E-R-M-O-N, on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, and we will be back next week with another episode. Thank you so much for listening. And now, uh, leading us out of the episode, listen to the groovy tunes. Uh, brought to you by Brown Privilege, a.k.a. Serene Patel. Yeah.